Just after 9 o'clock, good morning. This is Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. And coming up at 9.30 is the Sunny Melindres Show. But the inspirational hour begins now with God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. The following is sponsored by GodandOurDogs.com. And this is Bernie Radio. Discover a new perspective. God and Our Dogs. GodandOurDogs.com Welcome to God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. Join us online at GodandOurDogs.com. Subscribe, share, and stay. Now here's your host, Meg Greer. Welcome to God and Our Dogs. This is Meg Greer, your host. Our vision on God and Our Dogs is discovering a new perspective and rely on God the way our dogs rely on us. How does it happen? The same way our other relationships grow, spending time together, learning about one another, developing trust, and experiencing transformation. Dog stories told on the show reveal God in new ways. We look in the mirror of our dogs. In the reflection, we find aha moments, bringing to light a deeper understanding of love, value, purpose, and belonging. Find us at GodInOurDogs.com. Click follow on the God and Our Dogs pages on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast site and on YouTube, where you will find bonus material from our guests. Thanks to the folks at Wheeler's Western Outfitters for a great spot to record our show. Thanks to the God and Our Dogs business partners, including Toolbox Studios, River Road Pharmacy, Kendall County Veterinary Center, and Living Well Family Medicine and Aesthetics. Our guest today is Stacy Almager. Stacy is the Chief Executive Officer of Hill Country Family Services. She describes herself as bold, authentic, protective, kind, and loving. Best of all, her dog calls her my mom, who is a warrior. She loves me and all people with her whole heart. Welcome, Stacy. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for the inviting me. Yeah. This is very exciting. It's very exciting. You have been a supporter and listener and follower since the very beginning, and we really have appreciated you. So well, I'm so course. glad you're here and with us in person. Thank you. <laughs> well, Stacy, you had a very unusual for these days childhood, and I'd like for you to tell our listeners a little bit about where you grew up. So I grew up on a farm in a rural community in Kansas, Uh and we lived on an enormous farm with pigs and cows and sheep and and goats. And actually, the only reason I could afford to go to college was because I was a participant in the Neosho Valley 4-H Club, and I had the grand champion Nubian goat for like 10 years in a row. Her name was Ebony. Congratulations. That's so much work. That happens in our community too. (laughs) Yeah, good for you. Thank you. You know, the funny part is that I don't know how I present myself, but when people find out that some of my best talents are shearing sheep and working cattle and making sure that the bucket of mountain oysters made it into the kitchen so my mom could fry them up it like sickens people They're like I don't think I can look at you the same way ever again and so we didn't grow up watching tv um, now that I'm an adult and I'm, I'm so much far removed from my childhood I look back and I think we kind of grew up 20 to 30 years behind 
modern society. So yeah. like, you know, I never watched television. So when I was in college with my friends and they were watching reruns of the Brady Bunch, I couldn't sing along to any of the jingles. I, I didn't know any of the characters in um, daytime soap operas. I really was very super isolated. And that made life a little bit hard when you're just trying to fit in and uh-huh. you're just trying to be like everybody else. But we were not like everybody else. We were hardworking. And I vividly remember my dad saying something like, um, remember who you are when we left the house. And it was not because we had any means. It's because he was embarrassed about the thought that we would misrepresent him, like do something that wasn't up to the standard of our family. So, mm-hmm. you know, great people, very God-fearing, amazing, wholesome, but but very, very isolated yeah. before yeah. the Internet. Yeah, well, way before the Internet. <laughs> way yeah. before the Internet. Yeah. So um, what was, like, daily life like? You had farm animals. Did you have dogs in your life? You know, when I was a tiny girl, I think we had one, but I don't remember except I see him in and out of pictures. I don't even remember the name of that dog, but they were all outside. And Uh then when I was a a elementary school student, we had a dog named Smokey, but he was a blue healer. Uh And so he wasn't huggy or cozy. Like you didn't go up and and pet Smokey because he would bite you. He would nip at you and he Uh would chase you. And so it was just more like the animal's there for a function. It was not there for an emotional attachment. And so to me, you know, my husband, and when we first met, he went to see my, you know, meet my parents and ask my hand in marriage, whatever he was doing. And he said he was so shocked because there were these cats and they were up on the well house and they were all mangy and their eyes were half hanging out. And, and true. I mean, that's what happens when you have these animals that are survival of the fittest or uh-huh. natural selection. If the coyote didn't swoop down and grab one, then those were... You know, that, that, those were animals for us. Uh-huh. And then, like, your cows, you're going to eat them. Mm-hmm. Like, your pigs, ship it. Every, any rural kids know, know that that's the most traumatizing thing that you can hear at the county fair is, ship it, and you oh, know wow. that your animal is going to go to somebody's dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was um, our connection with animals, was that they live in the barn or they live in the pastures, or, you know, you don't fish and throw it back. You fish it and take it home, and your mom's going to fry it up. And uh-huh. so... It was so drastically different than mm-hmm. the life that I live now. Yeah. So, it, and you talking about Smokey, it makes me think about how he was treating you like his job. Oh, totally. He was a protector of our family. And if anybody drove into the driveway, we had a mile long driveway. He would gallop next to their vehicles the whole way there, growling and nipping at the at the wheels and just making a total nuisance of himself because he was, he was protecting us mm-hmm. like we were his tribe and yeah. because we were, but we didn't hug him. Yeah. He just wanted you to go in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. So how did, did he live a long life? How did he, um, interact with you through the years so he was always just there like he Mm -hmm. opened up the back door and and he was just there and and feeding him it's not like it was more of a chore it Mm -hmm. wasn't you know again um the the way that they they are now and and smoky he got elderly and he had gray hair and gray whiskers and and i remember we were it must have been like a holiday of some sort of mother's day a valentine's day i just remember that it was supposed to be really exciting we never missed a sunday going to church and we lived about eight miles away from our hometown so we were always the first kids to church so my dad would load us up in the vehicle and we were driving out of the driveway and Smokey fell down and 
had a heart attack and died. Oh, wow. Like right in the driveway. How shocking. I know. It was really terrible because I, I think my siblings and I were all shoved in the back of a sedan, you know, the 1970s style that were still or metal. And we were sobbing, smoking, you know, just so like upset and distraught. And my dad, he got really angry and he looked over at my mom and said, we're never getting another pet. And I remember thinking, oh, I didn't know Smokey was a pet. <laughs> First of all, I remember that. Like, yeah. whoa, that's that's a, what a pet is? Oh, okay. <laughs> but more than that, like we were, we grieved because we were human. You know, right. it's almost like he didn't want us to be close to these animals because they were animals. They weren't family members. Uh-huh. And so it was just, you know, we were, we were just absolutely distraught. We got to church. We were all crying. It was just, it was awful. Mm-hmm. And I think I was in college before my parents got another dog. And if I remember correctly, it was an old collie that had been dumped on their dirt gravel road. And it just sort of magically started living there. It wasn't intentional on their part right. to go get to go one. find them. Yeah. No, this, this dog just showed up. And it was so animals, again, there was no difference to me from the dog than my goat. Actually, I probably had a closer relationship with my goat than I did my dog. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know, I think it's good to remember how things may have changed over the years. Dogs didn't always live in our houses and weren't pampered, so to speak. I remember in talking with Corporal Mankata with the Bernie Police Department, and he was talking about when he gets a, the toy out, that's the time that canine Tucker knows it's time to work. Oh, yes. And so toys, and he said he spoils his dogs, his family dogs too, just like all of us do now. But the dog that he works with knows that it's time to work when the toy comes out because that's the reward for doing a good job. You know, with Smokey, there was no connection whatsoever. And I'll tell you, let me be full disclosure here. So we also had some other dogs and they were coon dogs, the type that you go hunting with. And, you know, I have a really close, extremely nurturing relationship with my children and they can be a little mouthy and um, and I let it happen so full you know that that is the way it is so long story short I was telling them that we my brother had these hunting dogs and they lived just you know when I think back of our childhood it was kind of like Laura Ingalls Wilder like it was blustery and snowy and it was like the long winter that year and there was more snow and you had to literally be careful about how far away from the house you got because Mm -hmm. there was so much snow well I didn't want to go up and feed these dogs And it was demanded that I go feed these coon dogs. And I would go about 100 steps away from the the back door and just throw their food into the snow. And I told that to my son. And he said, what was wrong with your childhood self? Like, you're disgusting. You're a poor, like, what is wrong with you? And I think, like, what was wrong with me? Like, why would I do that? Well, number one, I didn't want to walk out in the cold. I probably was ill-prepared to be dressed. Number two, they were not my dogs. Like, Mm -hmm. why was it my job, my responsibility, to go feed these animals that weren't even pets? They were these hunting things. And I, I just... I just have not been able to shake the shame of that behavior as an adult. You know, that was very shameful. And and if I could go back and redo that, and I would do something different. But at that time, pet, they weren't pets. They, mm-hmm. were, they were a responsibility that weren't even mine. 
it was kind of like, you know, I was responsible for washing the dishes and all the men in the family would push away from the table and just leave their stuff right on the table. And the women would walk in and, you know, clean the table, do the dishes. Like, so your roles have changed too, Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. as like dogs not living in the home. Well, the women don't do everything anymore. At least they shouldn't. Yeah. So yeah, life is so drastically different. When you were talking about your story as a young person and not feeding the animals the way, the dogs the way that you would now and that it kind of embarrasses you and makes you feel shame to think about it that I've never really thought about that from the standpoint of how God views us and God has lots of forgiveness for us when we don't really do things uh, the way that maybe we should so we can learn I'm not sure if I'm saying this the right way we can learn from those negative experiences about who God is to us just as much as we can learn from positive relationships that we've had with our dogs. I agree, because I think I am who I am now, a level of humility and a level of sense of self and authenticity that I would have never, ever, ever had any other way. If I would have had a, a different upbringing, different family, I always say if I hadn't been raised in the environment I was, I probably would have been, I would have gone to law school, I would have become a senator, and I was just telling my mom yesterday, I'm a servant of God now. I am a noble individual responsible for serving the basic needs of people in my community. And if I was in a different role, I wouldn't have the same quality of life. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't know myself as well as I do. And I wouldn't have this... I don't know because I haven't done that, but right. I, I have a I have a feeling that it would have been all about me instead of all about everybody else. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we we like to talk about love, value, purpose, and belonging, and I think you're talking about the purpose mm-hmm. aspect of what we can learn both with positive and negative experiences with our dogs about how to become the people God really wants us to be. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I never took the time because I didn't consider these animals pets. Like I didn't have a relationship. I didn't have a a close, huggy, uh, nurturing relationship with my dad because that's not who he was. And so, you know, I remember being a young adult in church and they were likening, you know, looking in God's eyes. It's like looking in your father's eyes. And and I was like, I don't know if I've ever looked in my father's eyes before. Yeah. <laughs> like he he comes home and he he's wonderful and he's kind and loving, but I don't have that relationship. And so it was very hard to connect. And then later in life when I had a dog and I looked in that dog's eyes, there's this depth of love and compassion and acceptance that I never knew before, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And it's a very powerful and very humbling thing. You know, it's 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 just, maybe it's maturity too, is mm-hmm. that you're slowing down enough to take more intentional effort to right. be present, where in other phases and seasons of your life, you're moving fast, you're trying to accomplish as much as you possibly can, you're overcommitted. But but I, I truly think it's very fascinating to kind of look at different seasons of your life. Yeah, the, we're never going to be exactly the same at one point as we are at the next. I love the point where I am right now. I've heard people say that for years. Like once you hit 50, it's just all fabulous. And I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that, that that came and went and I had a great party. <laughs> I celebrated really well and took you know good care of, of, of that milestone in my life. But with people who were are very important to me, mainly my family and my friends, um, but but really knowing yourself in a depth that you don't get 
at any other time. Yeah. And I hope it just continues to get even better and better. Yeah. Well, I want to take a little bit of a break. As you alluded to, you do have dogs as an adult that Mm -hmm. you have a little bit different relationship with. So I'd like to take a little bit of a break and tell you and our listeners about some of our sponsors. God and Our Dogs has great sponsors. Please thank them when you see them. Branscombe Law, Wheeler's Western Outfitters, Kendall County Abstract, and the Rivers Team with Phyllis Browning. Because of them, we have a wonderful website, GodInOurDogs.com, with bonus material inspired by show guests on the Want a Treat page. Check out the show webpage for regular updates, resources, and thoughts to ponder. That's GodInOurDogs.com for lots of treats. Discover a new perspective, God and our dogs. Hi, this is Superintendent Tommy Price, and you're listening to God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. We are back on God and Our Dogs. This is Meg Greer, your host. Joining us today is Stacy Omager, CEO of Hill Country Family Services. Before the break, Stacy told us about growing up on a 2,000-acre ranch and farm, some blue healers and coonhounds. That experience really helped form your relationship, didn't it, Stacey? What your expectations were about relationships with dogs. Most definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So tell us, before I wanted to talk about your dog, I want you to tell us a little bit about your daughter because that kind of sets the stage for your relationship with your dog as an adult. It does. So I was in college and married my high school sweetheart and we, we got we got married and, and had a little girl who had some really horrific health problems. Um, so complicated that it took them about three days in the neonatal intensive care unit to get to page three of the yellow legal pad about everything that was wrong with her. Oh my goodness. And we spent eight months in the in the NICU and we lived in the make um, what am I saying? Not Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, the Ronald McDonald House. She was a Make-A-Wish child. And Ronald McDonald House in Kansas City and it was a, a Everything you can imagine, just an emotional roller coaster, you know, all the mental and behavioral health issues that come along with trying to be a subject matter expert in tragic health circumstances when you are not equipped to do that. And so it it, it was very challenging. My husband and I divorced because most people just cannot cannot make that work because it it was just there's a lot of. Um, stress in those kinds of situations. Yeah. So long story short, I had just started graduate school and I left graduate school school before the internet and I found a pediatric surgeon that could help her supposedly. And we moved to San Antonio. We up and left community near Kansas City and and moved to Texas. And sure enough, she uh, was, was received the surgery that she needed and then she was diagnosed in kidney failure. And oh, so wow. we had come so far, then it all came to a screeching halt and and she was in kidney failure. And so interestingly enough, I, I met this incredible human being at a Starbucks in San Antonio who ended up becoming my husband and he had a son and I had a daughter and they were in kindergarten together. <laughs> so it was it was just one of those serendipitous meant to be situations. Um, we've been married almost 25 years, uh-huh. so we did well. And he was also her kidney donor. Um, oh my goodness! It, wow. Yeah. He How was, unusual is that? Well, he was the only match. So Amazing. you know, when you think about it from a spiritual perspective, it, it really was very special that we found each other. He's not even from Texas, and so we had to come here, and and meet here, and become a family here. And mm-hmm. then he saved her life. And so um, her kidney rejected a few years after she received her transplant, and then she wasn't eligible for another one. 
So she went through dialysis uh, for six years after mm. her first transplant, and we just we just knew she was going to die, and we had to watch her uh, demise. And so we we had rough years, years that you can't fathom. You know, you don't want to walk down the hall because you don't know what's going to be at the end. And yeah. we we lived like that as a family for years and years and years. And I don't think we realized how incredibly stressful it was. We really didn't have any friends. We were very isolated. We just took care of our family and took care of our financial obligations and we operated as a family unit but we didn't want to tell anybody because how do you even start like you right. know it's just once you're in it is like you can't even fathom where do you even start telling somebody that your child is dying that's pretty heavy like hey how are you how are the kids you know oh my daughter's dying you know yeah that's Stacey, dark. I can't even <laughs> imagine that but I, I bet there were people that may have wished that they had known but I totally get it as far as how much do you share? You yeah, know? it definitely made us the weird family on, on the block. There's a lot more to the story. You know, of course. She, anyway, but so she passed away six years ago. And immediately after she passed away, somebody that we knew was moving to Alaska. And they said, we've got this dog and she's in her elder years. And at that time, my husband was um, deployed. He was retiring from the military and had one more deployment. And so I'm like, we'll take her. It was like out of nowhere. We'll take her. I didn't have any experience with any dogs. Like, this is crazy. you know. But I knew I wanted to nurture somebody. And uh-huh. my daughter was gone. I couldn't nurture her. And there's only so much more nurturing I can give to my own children. And so I went and I picked her up and I, I got this dog. And it was like coming home. It was extraordinary. She was this calm grandma dog who couldn't move very fast, but all she wanted to do was love on us and love us. And she didn't just love us. She loved everybody that came to the door and she just wanted to stick her nose in everybody's hands and just be loved and loved and loved. And it was just a very special, unexpected experience because I think that helped me at the most vulnerable time of my entire life. Yeah. And I didn't even know it. Actually, I didn't even realize how deep that relationship was until I started talking to you about God and our dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really amazing how God provides for us in ways we never can imagine. She was kind of an odd looking dog. My husband made fun of her ears, always said that her ears were too small. She was a mutt dog, but I called her beautiful. And I would like always speak to her and I would say, you are a beauty queen. You are beautiful. You and I would like give as if she could understand me. But I think she did. Like she, I was giving her positive esteem. That's right. Self-talk. She, she could tell your attitude. That matters more than anything. And yeah. I would speak to her like, oh, Mia, you are so beautiful. You here, hop up on the sofa outside. You know, yes, we're going to. And I would give her, I called them um, um, beauty treatments and I would give her baths and like, I just nurtured that dog to death. Uh I loved her. Yeah. So it must have been really difficult to lose her. It was horrible because she was getting older and older and older. And because we never had her in her puppy years, she slowed down. You could tell her hips Mm -hmm. were killing her. You know, growing up the way I did, I know this is good common sense, but it never dawned on me to call the vet to see, I wonder if there's anything we can do about her hip problem. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, your hips hurt. (laughs) I'm like such a bad pet owner. (laughs) 
Like, gosh, I, after she died, I thought, gosh, I wonder if we could have done something about that. But we were in the Grand Cayman celebrating my 50th birthday with the most precious people in my life. And our pet sitter called my son and said that Mia had fallen down the steps in the backyard um, off the deck and she had gotten her leg stuck. And so she was suffering for a long time. And that was like horrific to hear. And so this conversation was being had in the hotel room in the middle of the night. And I and I remember asking this young man, could you just please stay with her and don't let her be alone? And then she passed away. And then I think back of, of our daughter was on hospice and, and she suffered. And she, I remember my daughter saying, just don't let me be alone. Uh-huh. And connection there was just unbelievable. So I went down to the coffee shop the next day and... Um, I was really upset. Like, I knew I loved that dog, but because I had never had a a relationship with a pet like that, I didn't realize how hard it hit me. And I was crying in the line at the coffee shop, and the lady asked me what was wrong, and and I said, my dog died. And she told my son when he came back down later, she recognized the room number and said, oh, I'm sorry, your dog died. (laughs) I thought that was kind of low budget. But, um, uh, you know, it, it hit me so hard. Uh that I had loved and lost again. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it took, it it took the wind out of me, you know, because I didn't realize I had invested that much love into that dog, but I did. And I think that she was there when I needed this level of comfort that I wouldn't have been able to receive any other way. Right. We talked about vulnerability and that's what it is. I mean, and look at what you got out of that relationship with her. You know, I I have a feeling she was the dog you were talking about earlier in the show when you were describing looking in your dog's eyes. Mm -hmm. She she could look into my soul. You know, we were describing earlier how, you know, when I looked into her eyes, I, she was more than a dog. It was almost like a stuffed animal come to life. And she had she had wisdom in her eyes and she had she had a calm and a love for me because I picked her Mm -hmm. you know our kids they're born to us we're responsible for raising them you get the one that God decides to send at that time but your dogs you pick them you choose them and and you have an intentional relationship with them and and the connection was really really intense but I didn't even know it mm-hmm. until you know it's like you don't know what you got till it's gone I yeah. really to this moment and that was six months ago I miss her I miss her because she comforted me and I I looked at her and I felt acceptance and I felt that I was looking in God's eyes yeah isn't that awesome well that's such a meaningful note um, to end with and this discussion I almost hate to to stop and ask you about what you're doing, but I think that at Hill Country Family Service, but I think there's a, a, a lot of similarity from the standpoint of being able to express care and concern for other people in our community. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Hill Country Family Service? Absolutely, yes. And, and I really, I didn't come to Bernie to work. I literally didn't think that I would be working at this season of my life because it's so drastically different than other things that I have done. I've always been in in fundraising and working in in service and servant leadership in our community or on a national level. But I, I came to Bernie and I found a place where everything that I have experienced in my life all made sense. And so Hill Country Family Services is responsible for meeting the crisis needs of individuals and families in our community. And Mm -hmm. so um, I try to be very open when talking about the fact that everybody, I I can't say I know how you feel. If you told me um, our daughter passed away, you know, what I would say to you is I have no idea 
how mm-hmm. you feel. I have none because your experience is different than mine. Right. But what I do know is how it feels to be without a light mm-hmm. and to be angry and to be frustrated and to be overwhelmed and all the emotions that go into the why me. You know, mm-hmm. why did this happen? I'm a principle-based person, so I feel like there has to be a why behind absolutely everything. But sometimes there's just not. There's just not a, a why sometimes. So Hill Country Family Services really sits at the place of helping you find that very next step. Mm-hmm. And we, when I got there, our organization was just a little bit different. We were duplicating services of another wonderful organization in the community. So I took an opportunity to really um, figure out where our niche should be so mm-hmm. we could intentionally serve the people that were not being served served and do Mm -hmm. it in such a way that would help them be functional and sustainable very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so we're very careful about making sure that we give access for emergency self-selection food. We have a small grocery store that HEB helped us build. It's got shopping carts and, and, and you can choose your food, which is special, especially if you've been through crisis, because there's always a trauma that Mm -hmm. goes with that. And I understand that trauma. I, I know how I've, I've never been in a position to need that level of, of support But what I do know is that I don't know how they feel, but I know how I felt. Mm -hmm. And so in in getting involved with a family and helping them with financial needs and putting them in contact with a licensed master or licensed clinical social worker to help connect the dots of what resources need to be part of their family moving forward so they're not isolated and alone, it just feels like everything came together because that's that's using everything that God's given me in my life in a way that's helping over a thousand people a year. And mm-hmm. I don't take that lightly yeah. because we can't do it all as an organization. Something that's been really important to me is that we collaborate with everybody, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody. Um, we just can't do it alone. And so giving credit where it's due, you know, we use all the resources, collaborate together. We work now with the school districts. We work with our sheriff's department. Anything that we can do to, to work together makes our community stronger. Mm-hmm. And um, we have such a benevolence here in our community. My husband and I talk all the time that of all the places we could have ended up in all the world, this is where we are supposed to be at this exact mm-hmm. time in our life. Yeah. Well, Stacy Omager with um, Hill Country Family Services. How does somebody find out about Hill Country Family Services? Well, you can directly call us, and that number is 830-249-8643. And we've got a fantastic website that's pretty clear about the exact precise things that we do as an organization. And you can actually apply for services online. Mm-hmm. And that's HCFS tx.org and if we can't serve you we can help you find who can and so we're the oldest group around so Mm -hmm. we're well known as the triage group if if we don't know it probably doesn't exist yeah yeah well stacy you all have some really exciting things coming up we do we have a donor appreciation event And we are hosting this with our friends at Mercedes-Benz of Bernie on Tuesday, January 24th. And it's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. And if you wonder, am I a donor? Everybody's a donor. Because if you support us by, by sharing our information on social media... Or if you give us um, financial gifts, or if you come over to Random Hangers in the warehouse and donate um, anything to us from your gently used clothing or, or items for our warehouse, or you're a member of an organization that brings food for us at our um 
our corner cupboard, you're all donors in our eyes. And we're so very grateful. And we want an opportunity to say thank you. Great, great community resource for thank years you. and years and years. Thank you. And Bernie. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Stacey. It's been such a joy. Well, have you. thank you for the invitation. I, I haven't thought about a lot of these things in a long time. You know, I'm um, going to be thinking about Smokey a lot and yeah. wondering what, what better joy he would have had in his life. But I think, you know what? He was a blue heater, healer. He had a job to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think when he got to heaven, God said, job well done, Smokey. <laughs> I think you're right. All well, right. thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Well, before we close the show today, I'd like to leave with a thought to ponder. And yes, that's P-A-W-N-D-E-R. Today, we heard about brokenness and also healing. Healing didn't happen right away. Trust developed because people were willing to take a risk and be vulnerable. In exchange for vulnerability, they received the reward of healing relationships. God calls us to take a risk and trust him makes me ponder what do we miss by not being vulnerable to god let me know what you think after pondering email stories at godandourdogs.com thanks to the god and our dogs business partners including ron zunker with pax financial group solid realty merle norman cosmetics and spa and ratner consulting this is meg greer and you've been listening to god and our dogs I appreciate all of you and thank you for joining us. You can listen to the show again on our website or subscribe on your favorite podcast site. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for show bonuses. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at God and Our Dogs and click follow. Subscribing and following help the show spread the word about discovering a new perspective to rely on God the way our dogs rely on us. Discover a new perspective, God and our dogs, GodandOurDogs.com. Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Now let's head over to the Patrick Heath Public Library with Miss Constance for Children's Story Time. As the Patrick Heath Library is open today from 10 to 4, this is Bernie Radio.